Well, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence already in this place. We thank you for this time of worship that we've had where we could just surrender our hearts and that we can just let you move on the inside of us and on the outside of us and in and through us and in all the situations of our lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you, just because the music stopped, you're not, not, you've not stopped. You're still active right now. You're taking hold with us right now as we open up your word. And so we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, three weeks ago, we marked the passing of Pentecost Sunday. And uh, I said when we opened that up, I'm like, usually we don't make a big deal about Pentecost Sunday because for the Spirit-filled believer... Pentecost is every day. It's not just an event we remember. It's something that was meant to be lived in every moment of every day. The coming of the Holy Spirit is not just a historical event. It's a reality for you when you receive the Holy Spirit. And so uh, last week I said, hey, it doesn't have to be just on Pentecost Sunday. We were having take two. And this week we're having take three. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And once again, I'll remind you that this is in no way an exhaustive study on the Holy Spirit. We're just hitting a few of the highlights. Come on, in 2021, we took six months and we preached all as much as we could in about six months, and there was still more that we had not gotten to. So last week, we were talking about the, how the Holy Spirit moves and, and the, uh, how he comes with power and ability and strength and efficiency. And Jesus said that he would teach you. The Holy Spirit would teach you all things, that he would bring all things to your remembrance. He would lead you into peace. He would show you how to glorify the Father. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, of how the Spirit moves, I don't want you to be ignorant. And he said, to each one, he gives gifts for the profit of all. And so he went on and he, he listed nine different ways that the Holy Spirit manifests or expresses himself. We had the word of wisdom, which are thoughts or facts in the mind of God concerning your future. We have the word of knowledge, which are thoughts and facts concerning things present and things past. That's all part of the Holy Spirit bringing things to your remembrance and teaching you things. He knows exactly what's going on, even when you don't. And I think as like specifically business owners, you don't have to get into bad partnerships. You don't have to get into bad relationships. That when you, you walk into the situation, the Holy Spirit can go, nope, don't do it. I know what's going on behind the scenes, and you don't want to be involved in that. Yeah. Or he can give you glimpses of what's to come and how to get hooked up with those you partner with. Oh, come on. These are not airy-fairy things like we look at like, oh, that was great for the apostles. No, Paul wasn't talking to the apostles. He was talking to the church at Corinth, yeah. who are believers just like you. He went on and gave other, uh, other manifestations of the Spirit. He said, one, discerning of spirits. You know, when you walk into situations, you don't know always what they're yielding to. Come on. Sometimes the enemy comes to those around you to stir them up, to get you annoyed, and to get you off. I was thinking about this week after we had preached on that, I, there was a situation uh, here in the church, like this was many years ago, and someone came up and they, they said something to me, and the Holy Spirit said on the inside, they're listening to a lying spirit. And I was like, so immediately I knew that everything that followed was a complete lie. And it probably was about six months later, I found out what was really going on, and everything they had said to me in that meeting was a bold-faced lie. But in that meeting, I knew not to trust them, because through the discerning of spirits, the Holy Spirit told me what was going on. Yeah. They are listening to a lying spirit. Yeah. And you can walk into situations, and he'll reveal why people are doing what they're doing. And you can just walk your way right around it and avoid the problem altogether. When we talk about the discerning of spirits, it's not the, just the discerning of evil spirits. Paul had manifestations of angels where an angel showed up and said, hey guys, I got a message from God for you. You don't have to worry. The ship's going to go down, but you all be, will be fine. No one's going to die. That was a, a discerning of spirits. So it, we often, when we talk about discerning of spirits, it's like demons, 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 demons. No. What about manifestations of the Holy Spirit? 
What about angels from heaven coming to work on your behalf? The book of Hebrews says, aren't they all ministering spirits sent forth to minister unto those who are heirs of salvation? That's you. And so the whole, through the Holy Spirit, we can have things revealed. We had uh, talked about miracles. We talked about gifts of healings. There's prophecy, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Come on, a lot of what people call prophecy these days is just a bunch of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't edify you, if it doesn't build you up, if it doesn't comfort you, it's not prophecy. And so those were just some of the ways that the Holy Spirit expresses himself or manifests because Jesus said, you'll receive power once the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There, that one's easier to read. You'll receive power once the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it's a sad thing that for most of the body of Christ worldwide, there's actually absolutely zero expectation of anything different once the Holy Spirit comes. Oh, he'll just teach you how to be a better person. Well, I would hope that you would want to be a better person without him. <laughs> you know, it's not just about cleaning you up and making you live better. He said you'll have power. Yeah. That there be a difference. And every time we see a moving of the Holy Spirit through the New Testament, people go, oh my goodness. Wow, look at that. This happened. Amazing. And so how can we relegate it down to you just living a better life? No, he said you'll receive power, ability. We said that that word there for power is the word dunamis, which is mountain-moving, mighty-working, miracle power, where we get, it has the same root as dynamite. And when we light dynamite, we expect <laughs> radical experiences, right? You don't light a stick of dynamite and say like, oh yeah, I'm just going to stand here and hold that. No, you get it out of your hand as quick as possible because something's about to explode. And sometimes you're going to walk into situations where the Holy Spirit's ready to just be launched at the situation. Let him explode out of it with power and ability and all the resources that you need. Everything changes once the Holy Spirit comes to as many as receive him. And when we look at Jesus' life, there were no miracles until the coming of the Holy Spirit. He'd lived 30 years of his life, no miracles mentioned. Yes, we have some references that he grew in wisdom and understanding, but no miracles. But as soon as the Holy Spirit came, boom. Three and a half years of radical experiences, one after another, after another, after another. And Peter told us why. In Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. How was God with him? Through the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. And last week we started in John 14 again where we talked about Jesus said, Hey guys, you want to see the Father? The Father's in me doing these works. And how is the Father in him? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the action man of the Trinity. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always the one itching to do something. Even in the beginning, at creation, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep or over the dark waters. Why was the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters? He was waiting for God to say, Light be, and boom, the Holy Spirit was going to carry it out. Because he's the action man of the Trinity. He makes things happen. And so in Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to jump off from today, where the, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, he starts off and he's writing to a man named Theophilus, who was his, basically his publisher. And he said, the first book I wrote to you, Theophilus, was about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And that's the book of Luke he's talking about. But the implication of that statement is, uh, the first one was about what Jesus began. This book of Acts is about what continues. And it's what's going to keep continuing because there is no end to the book of Acts. 
It is not the book of the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Church. And the church age has not ended. And it, I love, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. That which and that you've heard from me is a direct callback to John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Guys, we've talked about this is what Jesus is saying. Wait for that promise which I will send to you. When I go to the Father, I'm sending the Holy Spirit back to you. But I want to start here in verse number 4 where it says, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart. How many of you know that commanded is a very strong word? It wasn't, I suggest you stay in Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit. I don't think it would be a good idea. No, he commanded them. There's very few times where Jesus said, this is how it has to be. And when he marks it and he puts the emphasis on it, so should we. Wait for the Holy Spirit because everything that was going to be different was going to be different because of the Holy Spirit. He said, wait. And he says in the next verse, for John truly baptized with water, but you, everyone say me, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So it starts in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus talked to them for 40 days about the kingdom of God. And then they're having this conversation on day 40. And they've got 10 days. 10 days until the fulfillment. That's a kind of important because between promise and and fulfillment, there's usually room for impatience. Come on, how many of you have been there? You get excited one day, but then the next day it's like, well, why haven't I seen it the way I thought? And impatience starts to grow. And when we're impatient, we then start trying to make something happen. So keep that in your mind, because we're going to go back to that in a second. But he said, John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That word baptized is the word baptizo, which means you're going to be immersed into and submerged into. And that's very important that we understand baptizo because it's exactly what Jesus talked about and we looked at last week in John 14. I'm one with the Father and the Father's one with me. And then John 17, Father, this is Jesus praying, make them one with us as I am one with you. And so you will are taken when you receive the Holy Spirit and you are immersed into him. And it's important that we understand baptizo. There's a notation in the Strong's Concordance that says, baptizo is not to be confused with bapto. Bapto, the Greek word, means to dip. Baptizo means to immerse and submerge. And the earliest known use of this distinction between those two words is not from the Bible. It's actually from a Greek recipe from several thousand years ago now. And it says this, first, take the little cucumber. It's a pickle recipe. It says, take the little cucumber and bapto it in hot water or boiling water. What do they mean? Dip it in the water. Then take it and baptizo it or submerge it into the vinegar and spices and leave it there for a long period of time. And that's exactly what happens. If you were to take that pickle and dip it in the vinegar, nothing happens. But what happens when you take that pickle or that cucumber and you leave it in that vinegar, you close the lid, you put it on a shelf, and you leave it there for a while. It begins to get saturated. It begins to change. And when you pull it out and you take a bite, you don't get cucumber, you get pickle. And so the idea behind this, when you're immersed in the Holy Spirit, he's not wanting you to be a cucumber anymore. He wants you to get a little pickled. Come on. He wants you to get a little changed. 
And I'll have to say, I like eating pickles a lot more than I do cucumbers. It's like, it's like, oh, this has no taste, no flavor. It's just like water and, you know, strings. <laughs> but you bite the pickle and <laughs> flavorful experience. We have to understand what Jesus is talking about when you are immersed into the Holy Spirit. He's not saying it's just for a moment. It's not saying just for an event. He said it would be forever and it would change you radically from what you were. And so we are immersed. And this is an important distinction because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon the prophet, the priest, and the king for an event, but he didn't stay. But what the Lord told John the Baptist was, when he was looking for who the Messiah would be, he said, watch for the one whom the Holy Spirit comes upon and remains. That's the one you'll know is the Messiah. So the distinction from the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit would come to empower them for that moment and he would rest upon. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and live in you. These are important distinctions that need to be made because it changes things. So we said in between the promise and the fulfillment, we often get impatience. So Jesus says, wait, you're going to receive power, and then he ascends into heaven. And they kind of sit there gawking like, are we really seeing him float away? And while they're watching him go, 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 finally an angel says, hey, you guys. And they're like, didn't even see you there. He says, why do you stand just marveling? The way he's gone is the way he's going to come back. And so they get all excited and they head back into the city and they go into the upper room where they spend the next 10 days. But how many of you know 10 days shut up in a room can bring on some pretty stupidity sometimes? I just need to get out. No, they're waiting in the, in the upper room for, for 10 days, 120 of them. And along the way, Peter gets this brilliant idea. He says, hey guys, didn't Jesus choose 12 of us to be apostles? One of us is dead. We're only 11. We should pick a new one. Or we could wait for the wisdom and the power and the infilling that we, Jesus had promised, but okay, Peter. And so they come up with the super spiritual way of choosing someone. They say, well, hey, you two have been with us all along. Maybe it should be one of you two. You've hung around long enough. Let's do the super spiritual method of let's cast some lots. Or let's say, let's draw some straws. Whoever gets the short straw gets to be the new apostle. Come on, you guys gotta think, think of how stupid this is. And so they choose Matthias, and Matthias gets to be the 12th apostle. And the thing we know is we never hear of him again. Why? Because that was not God's plan. Sure, God had plans for Matthias, but he had his own idea of who were going to be apostles. And, and apostles are just sent ones. And it's interesting, in Acts chapter 13, as they ministered to the Lord, or as they worshipped the Lord, then the Holy Spirit said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work I have for them. He already had a replacement, and he had more beyond those 12. And so Peter's thinking 12, and Jesus is thinking the church. We've got many parts, many, many to be used. And so between promise and fulfillment, we get impatience. And instead of waiting, we get Matthias. And it's funny, in spite of the ridiculousness of it, Jesus still gets his way in the end. But what I'm trying to say is there's wisdom that only flows from the Holy Spirit. And so I want to take a side venture today into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And as Paul is talking to the Corinthians, he says to them, he says, guys, when I, when I came to you, I didn't come with all this fancy language. And he says this, my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom. Human wisdom. He's talking about how natural people think, what natural people know, what natural people would do. I didn't come to you with these fancy words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, 
but in the power of God. And so if we want to put Matthias' situation into any category, it's in the wisdom of men. Peter thought it was a good idea, but what he needed was the power and the ability, the efficiency, the perspective of God that only comes with the power of God that comes through the Holy Spirit. He says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So he's saying it's not coming from what everybody else thinks. And that's why when we started this series three weeks ago, we said to you, Jesus said that the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because they don't see him and they don't know him. But you know him. And this is what he says. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom of God ordained before the ages for your glory. And I like what Pastor Robin used to preach with this. He says it's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. That when you seek, you find. If you want to know, you can know. He said, we speak the wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom that he's ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You have to understand that the enemy and his wisdom thought he could win. He said, if I could just kill Jesus, it'll all be good. Oh, how wrong he was. Because by killing Jesus... He did multiplied him. Instead of one son of God, he has many sons and daughters of God everywhere to as many as was receive him. If he would have known that, he never would have killed him. He thought one was enough. I've got enough problems with Jesus. Whew, now he's got you to deal with. If you could grab, grab your mind around that, you can give the enemy just as hard a time as Jesus. Because authority has been given. But we often read things like this, and we think, well, we just can't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. And it doesn't help that verse 9 says, But as it is written, the eye hasn't seen or ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And I've sat in church services where ministers have said that. Well, we just can't know what God wants. He's got good things for you, but we just don't know what they are because eye hasn't seen nor ear heard nor have entered into your heart. If only we could read one more verse. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. So you can know and see then hear the things that God has prepared for you. Why? Because Jesus said he'll teach you all things. He'll show you things to come. The Holy Spirit is the great revealer of the revelation of God. He takes of God's things and he reveals them to you. He takes God's wisdom and releases it into your situation so that when you don't know what to do because natural man's wisdom has failed you, he does. And you got to have a little patience and not get rash and get out of time because you think it should be now, 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 now. Wait, seek, find that act. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And he says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? And even so... No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received, for we have received, sorry, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. Say, I know. I know. I know. I know. And one more time, I know. And he said, these things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Spiritual things with spiritual. 
Spiritual things are not to be compared to natural things, to man's things. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, he will show you God's things. And it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Everyone say that with me. Spiritually discerned. The things of God are spiritually discerned. There will be things that you will not be able to understand or experience until after receiving the Holy Spirit. Said it's foolishness to the world and those that think like the world and receive from the world. Said it's foolishness. And there's many Christians saying, oh, when we talk about the things of the Holy Spirit, oh, that's just crazy. That's, I, I don't believe in any of that stuff. It's foolishness to you because you've not received the Holy Spirit. Right. When you receive the Holy Spirit, things start making sense and you begin to open up to new experiences and understanding that were not available to you before because now you got the Holy Spirit revealing the things of God and empowering you. And so there's things that will never make sense until you receive the Holy Spirit. And so for them, they didn't get, make sense until after they got the Holy Spirit either. What was their last question to Jesus? Is it now the time that you're going to re re uh, restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, guys, wait for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Come on. And so instead of waiting, that it changed their perspective from, Lord, when will you? They went and began to do. It changed when they received the Holy Spirit. We don't have any record after that of anybody asking that question. Not in the book of Acts, not through any of the epistles. Nobody asked that question again because it made sense once they received the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they finally hit those 50 days. Remember he said, many days from now you're going to receive the Holy Spirit? Here is the day. When it had fully come, they were all with one accord and with one place. Remember we told you one accord means to rush along with passion and purpose together in unity. They were focused on, okay, if Jesus said the Holy Spirit's coming, we're going to expect that he's coming. They were of one mind in that, and it says they were in one place. Why? Because he said, wait for him. So they got in one place. It would have been easy to say, well, it's been 10 days. Can I go home now? Come on. But they were in one accord in expectation. You want to know what another word would that, for that would be? They were in faith. Jesus said something, they believed it, so they waited for it. And the things of God are always received by faith. If he said it, you believe it and go ahead and act on it. Their acting on it was they stayed in that place because he's coming. Ten days. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and the whole house where they were sit uh, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and it sat on each one of them and here we go in verse 4 and they were all filled with the holy spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance they were all filled with the Spirit, and they all began to speak with other tongues. You know, I was thinking about this this morning. I, the Holy Spirit brought it to my remembrance. Many years ago, there was a, an older Catholic lady that was coming to church for a while, and uh, one time she pulled Pastor Robin aside. I think you were probably teaching on this stuff. And, uh, and she said, well, I think we should pray like Mary prayed. And he said, or uh, we should, sorry, he said, we should pray to Mary 
And he said, no, it's even better to pray like Mary prayed because she was there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. She was named among the people that were present that day. And if they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, so did Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so if you're going to pray to someone, pray to God and pray like he called you to pray. He said you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues. And so they all began to speak with other tongues. There wasn't one left out and one did. And why do I say that? Because some people are open to the idea and they say, well, yes, some of us. Well, then why all of them? Didn't the Bible say he's no, God is no respecter of persons? How come every time we see this in the book of Acts, it's all and not some? Or some of these guys or this one person no he said all were filled and all began to speak with other tongues and they began to spill out into the streets of jerusalem and it was during the feast time and there was people from every region that had come that had come there to worship during that time and they began to speak out as the spirit gave them utterance and they even began to speak in languages that they didn't understand and it says that everybody began to hear them speak in their own language and magnify god and peter gets up because all of a sudden they start saying oh look at all these drunk foolish people Obviously, the Holy Spirit was having enough of effect on those people that they thought they were drunk. And Peter says, hey, guys, they're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. And I realize for the alcoholic, that might not be a big deal. <laughs> but for the average person, 9 o'clock's not when you're drunk. And so 9 a.m. in the morning, he says, they're not drunk, with, as you suppose, but they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he begins to preach to them. And he begins to declare through their history, the Jewish history, Jesus. And do we drop down to verse 37? It says, now, when they heard this, they were all cut to the heart. You want to know what another way to say that is? They began to believe. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So Peter preached, and they were like, you are right. And it impacted them in their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what do we do? And Peter said to them, repent or turn from where you've been and put your focus on Jesus and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. Jessica already said it this morning. What do you need to do to be baptized? I think Philip and the, and the Ethiopian eunuch is the perfect thing. P Philip began to reveal the word to them and the eunuch said, hey, what stops me from being baptized? And Philip said to him, if you believe, let's jump in the water right now. And so they believed, and Peter said, just turn from where you've been and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall, everyone say this with me, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive. The Holy Spirit is to be received just as a gift is to be received. Throw me that book beside you. What the Holy Spirit does not do, I'm going to use John today, I always pick on Tone. He doesn't say, here, you have to have this. It's, no, it's yours, you've got to have this. That's not how gifts work. Gifts work like this. Here, I have this for you, Annie. Would you like it? Yes, you'd like it? Go ahead and take it. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He doesn't go where he's not been invited to go. He is to be received as a gift is received. We just had Harrison and, and Pierce's birthday last week, and it was funny because, like, Harrison, like, all day was like, can I open my presents now? 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 He's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And finally, at, later in the day, I was like, Harrison, would you like this? And he's like, yes, and he grabbed it. When it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit, if you want the Holy Spirit, God is saying, he's here for the taking. You say, Lord, I receive him. I invite him into my life. He doesn't barge his way in. He goes where he's invited, and he goes where he's welcome. 
And so maybe you've heard people say in the past that, oh, he, as soon as you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. Well, we're going to take a minute and we're going to look at every instance of the Bible where someone receives the Holy Spirit, and we'll see that's different. But Peter said, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are uh, far off. I think we're pretty far off from Jesus, right? 2,000 years is, qualifies as far off. To as many as the Lord our God will call. And Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, remember the Holy Spirit is a gift, to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Those who ask Him. So let's look at Acts chapter 19 today. I referenced this in week number one, but I don't like referencing things without letting you actually see it in the scripture. Because I don't want people to look back and say, well, my experience has been. No, I want you to know what the word says. Because faith comes from the word of God, right? And so in Acts chapter 19, and in verse 1, it says, And it happened that while Paulos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples. Who are disciples? They are followers of Jesus. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all men. These are people who believe and are following to the best of their understanding. They found some disciples, and here's what Paul said. Did you receive the Holy Spirit, when you believed. Believed. Past tense or present tense? They were believers. And so if we're going to follow the general train of thought in Christianity, well, you got the Holy Spirit when you got saved. Here we find believers who are disciples following to the best of their understanding, and he's asking them, did you receive the Holy Spirit yet? Which to Paul's understanding, and if I think if we're going to believe somebody, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament should be the one we believe, right? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we don't even know whether there is a Holy Spirit. We've never even heard. And so what did Paul do? He taught them a little bit about it. And then in verse 6, it says, And when Paul laid his hands upon him, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So here we had believers who didn't have the Holy Spirit, and Paul was like, well, let's get that to you. It wasn't an automatic thing, which means we have to understand that salvation becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit are two distinct experiences. They don't have to happen at different times, but they are two different things. How do we know they don't have to happen at two separate times? We can look at Acts chapter 10, the household of Cornelius. Paul tells them it was by the power of the Spirit that Jesus did what he did. And while Peter was still preaching, they received the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues and magnify God. Why? Because the entrance of his word brings light. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They heard what Peter said. They believed what he said and they received all at one time. And so whether or not we receive separately or together really has to do with what instructions we've been given and what word has been revealed to us. But here in the situation in Acts 19, they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, so they never had received him. So what did Paul do? He laid hands on them because they wanted him. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak with other tongues and they prophesied. Why? Because prophecy is a gift of the Spirit. It's an expression or a manifestation of the Spirit. They began to edify, exhort, and comfort one another by the Holy Spirit, which tells us that the gifts of the Spirit are not for quote-unquote mature believers. They're for people who receive the Holy Spirit. 
at their infilling of the Holy Spirit, they began to prophesy. How was Paul able to lay hands on them for them to receive the Holy Spirit? He had the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. How did he have the Holy Spirit? Well, of course, when he got saved. No, actually not. In Acts chapter 9, Paul is on the way to Damascus to arrest Christians and send them to their death. And suddenly, a bright light from heaven shines down, knocks him to his feet, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul goes, who are you, Lord? He knew exactly who he was when he asked that question. And he said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. You can't tell me that in that moment, Paul didn't believe. That was a radical experience. He believed. And he said, go into the city and it will be told to you what you should do. And so someone led him by the hand because he was struck blind in that moment and took him into the city. And what did God do? He began to speak by the Holy Spirit to a disciple in that town whose name was Ananias. And it's chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and he entered the house and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, has came to me, and he sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't tell me Paul didn't believe when Jesus spoke to him. He was a believer, and now God has sent Ananias to get the Holy Spirit to him. We can look over here at Philip in Acts chapter 8. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and why did he go down to the city of Samaria? Because at this point, Paul's killing everybody he can get his hands on. And so Philip's like, peace out, I'm out of here. I'm not going to somewhere where there's a little less heat. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. How was Philip doing miracles? He had the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Well, let's just read one more verse here. It says, For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. It's amazing that when the Holy Spirit flows, joy follows behind. But why was Philip able to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, just two chapters before here, we have the first kind of contention within the body of Christ. There's a whole bunch of widows that need to be fed. And there was a bunch of Greek widows that were getting missed over. And Peter and the other disciples said, Hey, guys, this is, we, we should be giving ourselves to prayer and to the opening of the word. Let's find some people that can handle this for us. And this is what they asked for. They said, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom that we might appoint over them in the business. Good reputation. If you can have a good reputation, can you also have a bad reputation? The Holy Spirit said, or the apostle said, avoid those with bad reputations. If you can have wisdom and not have wisdom, and the Holy Spirit said, look for those with wisdom, he's differentiating two things. And he also said, find me seven guys who are full of the Holy Spirit, which means by implication there were people that were not full of the Holy Spirit. We're making a contrast here. We need to let the word make the dividing line for us and not our experience or religion and tradition. And it says, and this saying pleased the whole multitudes. And so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmaeus, and Nicholas, the proselyte from Antioch. They found seven guys filled with the Holy Spirit, whom Philip was one. And so Philip goes down to Samaria when the heat gets a little too hot in Jerusalem. He begins to preach Jesus to them. He begins to heal their sick. He begins to raise up the lame ones. The blind get to see. And it says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So Philip preached. 
they believed and they were baptized. What did we say? What's the conditions for baptism? Philip said, if you believe, just jump in the water now. So these are believers here in Acts chapter 12. And it says there was a sorcerer named Simon, and he also believed. And he was baptized, and he continued with Philip, and he was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Why? Who, when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Which means that we had a group of believers in Samaria who were believers indeed, but yet did not have the Holy Spirit. So what did he do? It says, for he had yet not fallen upon any of them, but when they were they'd only been baptized in the name of Lord Jesus, then they laid hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. What did Simon see? That the Holy Spirit comes when people receive him and hands are laid upon them. And that's the same thing we saw with Paul getting the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing we saw in Acts 19 with Paul and those at Ephesus. They asked, they laid hands on them, and they received. And so the Holy Spirit is a gift. He only ever goes where he's welcome, and he always flows in that same way. If you want him, you ask, and you receive. The biblical way of receiving the Holy Spirit is ask in faith, because any other way doesn't get anything from God. Faith is the only thing that moves God. You ask in faith, and you receive. You got believers around you? Have them lay hands on you, and let the Holy Spirit fill you, and begin to speak. I really wanted to show you that differentiation, and there's more scriptures we could have done. But just because someone is saved doesn't mean they've received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The disciples believed Jesus. They lived with him, but yet they still had to receive him. And it's the same way for us. Why do we say this? Because you're going to run into people that you're to minister the Holy Spirit to. And if you've got that gift on the inside of you, you can teach just like I can teach. You can show them through the word of God so that faith can be inspired. You can lay hands on them and they can be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak out in other tongues and be filled to the overflow just like those early disciples. It's a gift for all of us. But the Holy Spirit will never go where he's not welcome. And this morning I'm going to give you the same invitation that I gave the last three weeks. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to step out. You're going to have to come, and you're going to have to say, I want the Holy Spirit. And you know what? If that's what you want, that's what you'll receive. Seek, and you will find. And so our Word Care team is going to be up here at the front if you want to pray with them. I always say, come find Pastor Wendy. She is just so good at getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. I had a friend once who he had uh, gotten a, um, a new girlfriend and they had gotten engaged and she hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fly to Canada all the way from South Dakota so that she could pray with Pastor Wendy. And just took a few seconds, Pastor Wendy prayed with her, laid hands on her, and my goodness, the holy laughter just rolled over. She couldn't get up off the floor. She was just so drunk in the Holy Spirit. But if you want the Holy Spirit, we should have that same zeal as the apostles. They waited. They went and did what God told them to do. They asked in faith. They received. And so, Father, we thank you that the gift of the Holy Spirit is just as much ours today as it was back then. Because you said, as afar off, as many as would believe. And so I thank you, Lord, today that the Holy Spirit is still for us that we can become spirit-filled believers, filled with power, ability, efficiency, wisdom, that you can lead us by your spirit, that you can show us things to come, that you can lead us into miracles and healings. And Lord, we just thank you for it, that that is today for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Pastor Robin, you're up. 
Yeah, glory be to God. You know, um, it was um, in the early church, the majority of the people were filled with the Holy Ghost. There was very few that were not filled with the Holy Ghost because, I mean, they had so much to do and God wanted to, said, you know, commanded them to be powered and go, you know, into all the world and so on. Um, but within a few hundred years, that started to wane because the devil knew that there was something in that being filled with the Holy Ghost, with that power that was a, was put you know putting him out of business. So he had to get rid of that. So he you know the religion took over and it got to be well you know you don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and so on. And then in the, and so for thousands of years you have had it sporadically, but you didn't have a lot of the church that was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we had the charismatic movement in the late in the 70s and early 80s. And that's where sort of we came into the into the picture, and man, everyone—I mean, you don't care what religion you were, whether you're Catholic or Anglican or whatever, whatever you—everybody was getting filled with the Holy Ghost, you know. So God stirred it back up again, Amen. And if we ever needed a time where the church needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost, it's the day we're in now. The day we're in now, Amen. Amen. All right, so it's time to give. Yeah, Hallelujah. And so we're going to say this confession, um, and we say we say confessions because like this when we're giving, because you never you never give with a, with your mouth closed, amen. And you always speak over your seed that you sow. You know, I, I'm an introvert. Um, you know, and, and you know, and actually, so is Pastor Jordan. We're both introverts, um, and so for us, we need to need to open our mouths. You know, so, you know, we'd rather be quiet. We'd rather just sit, we'd rather listen. But, you know, it's hard to get us to talk sometimes. But we need to learn in situations like this, you need to open your mouth. Now, an extrovert needs to put a guard on their mouth. <laughs> so if you, if you like talking, you need to say, God, you know, put a guard over those things I should not be saying. Amen? So anyway, we're going to say this confession. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to strengthen the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So there's a basket at the back, or there's an envelope there to put it in, and or you can give online that there thing, okay? All right. So, if you need, if you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, we got a couple over here, or Pastor Wendy, whatever you want, and um, we can we can deal with that. And the rest of us just have some coffee and fellowship. Amen. And you are a blessed people. Amen.